You're listening to Her Heart Heals Divorce Radio. Hi, I'm Christina Cuevas. Seven years ago, I went through a divorce and it completely turned my world upside down. And I'm so glad it did. I documented my healing to share information with other women going through their own divorce journey. And now, with thousands of downloads around the world from divorced women just like you, I'm here to show you how to ditch the shame around divorce and finally heal so that you can regain the confidence to create your most abundant and joyful future. I'm so glad you're here. This is Her Heart Heals Divorce Radio. If you've gone through divorce, you already know that a life event like this can leave us feeling broken and ashamed. Trust me, I can wholeheartedly relate because this was me just a few years ago. Unfortunately, most divorced women make the big mistake of thinking that time will heal this wound, spending months or years carrying this feeling of failure around everywhere they go numbing their pain, or worse, staying closed off to the idea of love again, and that's just backwards. Does this sound like you? I got you. I created a free masterclass called Divorce from Divorce Without Feeling Like a Failure. In this class, you'll discover how to actually move on after divorce so you can finally feel whole and regain your confidence without feeling like you failed. Don't wait. Click the link in the show notes to add your name to the waitlist and be the first to get notified once this class goes live. I won't be offering this for free forever though, so be sure to sign up for this limited offer. See you there. I am so excited to bring you this next episode, talking to the key people over at Worthy. Now, if you are involved in the divorce community on social media, you've probably seen Worthy's incredible resources and support for everybody in the divorce community. I know they were a big resource for me during my divorce, and their mission is so inspiring as their business model offers a service around selling your engagement or wedding ring, as well as other jewelry items. Today, I interview the COO of Worthy, Steven Schneider, as well as their VIP consultant, Rachel Cass. And I talk about their process and how much they care about taking over a big part of the divorce healing process for many people that is taking off that ring and figuring out what to do with it, which if you've gone through divorce, you know how big of a step that was. They truly have created a service that is start to finish and effortless for someone on the other end, and you can go and focus on your healing. I loved this conversation so much, and I know you will too. Welcome to the Her Heart Heals podcast. I'm your host, Christina Cuevas, coming to you from San Diego, California. This podcast is dedicated to all things divorce, healing after a breakup, and transforming your life after. Are you ready for change? You've come to the right place. Here, We will be meeting with thought leaders and industry experts, sharing as much information as I can to help you on your journey. You are safe here and you are loved here. If you'd like more information or to sign up to our newsletter, go to www.herheartheals.com. And now on to the episode. 
Stephen, I am so excited to chat with you because I have been following Worthy or the brand for a few years now um, since I went through my own divorce. And unfortunately, I didn't get to have the experience of um, sending my ring into you guys. I had already um, sold my ring when I discovered you, unfortunately. But I wanted to know, I've been able to connect um, just based on the information that you guys put out on social media and the message. And I really connect with the brand. But I wanted to know how the company was founded and where you know you got the great idea to offer this service to women who are going through divorce or men. Yeah, so our founder Benny DeCallo, uh, you know, had started a previous company, um, and as part of sort of that journey of helping people get loans for jewelry is what the original company was, uh, you know, he discovered this niche. And the really interesting thing about the jewelry resale industry uh, is that the way people make money at retail um, is through less transparency. So the less transparent you are, the more money you'll end up making through that process. But then when you go to resell it, you know, you, you start seeing, you know, fractions of, the amount that you spent on the item back. And the, the fact is because the end consumer doesn't have access to the right set of buyers, at least until worthy, uh, there, there's no way for them to get a reasonable amount of money uh, back on that investment. And so he saw this opportunity in the market and uh, basically formed worthy uh, at the end of 2014, the beginning of 2015, uh, you know, whose mission really is to help people that are typically going through transitions, whether that is a transition due to divorce, whether that's a transition because you've inherited jewelry, which means somebody unfortunately has passed, whether that's you know the current situation of financial duress due to the pandemic or any other you know sort of reasons why you might need to create liquidity in your assets. It's really helping those people get a lot more money for their jewelry than they could find uh, otherwise. And if you read our reviews, right, typically we're finding you know upwards of two or three times the amount that that you can find locally. And so, uh, so that's how Worthy was born. We've been in business for going on six years now. And, you know, our marketplace, uh, you know, which really is designed to maximize the amount of value that people can get back for their jewelry uh, and do it in a fast and transparent way, um, you know, is now serving thousands of, of people every month. Yeah, totally. And I, I don't know if this also applies, but also for people who are, upgrading, right? I feel like that's kind of a common thing for rings as well. Like, do you also feel like you serve those people as well? Yeah, a hundred percent. We see them and Rachel can probably speak more to some of the specific <laughs> stories and people that <laughs> she talks to every day. Um, but for sure, like the, the, they're the, that's sort of the happier side, I guess, of, of what we do is helping somebody, you know, transition up from, you know, the, the one carat ring that they bought when they first got married, when they were 22. And now, you know, maybe they're a little bit more successful and they can afford, uh, you know, two or three carat, uh, diamond ring. And so they need something to do with that, uh, original ring that they had. Um, we also see, I, I think not just the, uh, upgraders, but also, uh, you know, younger generations who have divorced themselves from owning things, right? And so this is mm -hmm. the, you know, trade out your collection. I've worn these pair of earrings for a couple of years and now I just want something different. And 
before there was no real way that they could get any type of liquidity for that. And now they have a way to get, uh, you know, at least a, a bit more money for it that they can then invest in, in something else in their collection. Rachel, did you want to add to that maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the other side of it, which is a really happy side. It's normally a big anniversary, right? Or something really exciting happened and, or right, their taste changed, which is always fun to learn what, you know, they liked 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now they, you know, want something a little bit different. So that's always a fun part of it. And, you know, it's also educating them, which I think goes back to what we really do and do really well is, you know, maybe the salesperson who sold them the original ring didn't teach them about what they were selling them. And I get to kind of educate them through selling if they're also trading up, right? What do we buy, right? What should I get? Because it's mm -hmm. not always like as Steven said, they're not very transparent in the front where it's like, okay, this is good enough but maybe they don't explain in detail why this diamond's better than the other ones, what could affect the pricing and all those types of things. So there's a lot of yeah. education to it. I was curious. That was actually one of my questions was, um, do women ever get, or people in general ever get surprised when they send something in and they say, okay, like I'm getting divorced sending you in my ring, it should be worth, you know, X 5,000, let's just put a number on it and in their mind, and then they send it in and you have to tell them like, it's actually not a real diamond. <laughs> so has that it, ever happened? It, it does happen. There's a lot of okay. other stones out there too. There's moissanite, there's lab created. And most of the time, right? you get it as the gift. So you don't have the paperwork or you weren't part of the process. Um, so it does mm -hmm. happen. It's, it's not always a fun conversation to have, but it, at least then they know what they have, right. Which is really helpful totally. because I think yeah. that's half the battle is people have no idea really what their grading is. Maybe they have an old piece of paper and that's really what we provide getting that GIA report. And it's really, mm -hmm. you know, Educating from the first call till the end of the auction is all about educating them, being there. And, you know, I'm sure Stephen will agree with me. Like, we're their partner. We're, our goal is aligned with them in every way. We want them to make as much money as possible. We will always do our best to do that and, you mm -hmm. know, really help them get where they yeah. want to achieve. Totally. Yeah, I, I would just, sorry, I would just add that. Uh, of course, um, you know, we, we want to help them for all sorts of reasons. One, because we just believe it's the right thing to do. Secondly, we only make money or we make the more, you know, as a fraction of the transaction. And so the more we can sell the diamond for, it's directly aligned with our financial incentives as well. Uh, and so I think that that piece is, is really critical. The other thing is that really what our platform is designed to do, as Rachel was saying, is to create transparency where transparency doesn't or may not otherwise exist. So we have a close yeah. network of over a thousand trade buyers. Uh, these are buyers that typically that you or any average consumer wouldn't have access to because they're not going to meet with you one-on-one -on -one to buy your, you know, diamond ring, right? They, they want to deal in high volume transactions. And so sure. they're, they're the, they're the folks that are at the top of the food chain that, uh, if you were to go to a local jeweler, if you go to a pawn shop, right, they're eventually getting to that person, but passing through the hands of maybe three or four other players before they eventually got back to them. 
And so yeah. in order to get in order to get them to, to buy, what we have to do is to create an objective, unequivocal version of what is this item that they're they're potentially interested in buying, which means we have to describe it to the best possible ability that we have. We have to take proper photos that shows all the good things about the the item in addition to whatever imperfections may exist. Uh, it means that the 3D video needs to show all the inclusions. And so really it's about creating a level of transparency so that they can bid repeatedly with confidence uh, and ultimately compete against each other at an auction to get the most value for that item. And I love that because I think, um, at least from my own experience and the women that I work with, and when you're going through a divorce process, it's you're not looking for another person to kind of sway you in a certain way. Like people are already dealing with um, trying to find an attorney and trying to, you know, maybe they're going through a pretty bad divorce. And so I think coming out of something, women are already stepping into it with like, uh, you know, kind of gray waters where they don't really trust a lot of people. And so this is an awesome, awesome tool um, and an awesome service to, like you said, like full transparency, I think is really beneficial for somebody going through a process like this. Yeah. I mean, I would, I I would totally agree. And I think that, you know, since I deal with all the people on the day to day and, you know, I, I, I have the higher value items so that building that trust and that experience, but it is true. They're, they're talking to their lawyers, they're dealing with moving, they're buying a new home. There's so many moving parts of, depending on what part of the process you're in. And I really, you know, when they have someone to hold their hand and go through it and, you know, for me, it's the caring part as well as getting the money. And sometimes it's really good stuff, right? Getting a new house and getting to take a trip with the kids. You know, I've had people go on Disney cruises and, you know, to Disney world. Um, and that stuff where they have someone who has the rack and when you're in the middle of it, you might not feel that when you have a lawyer and judge and custody and all that stuff. Totally. It's, it just feels so good to know that you have people in your corner. And I think that's what, um, this service would provide for people, um, is just a sense of comfort. Um, you know, not necessarily going through the divorce with them, but at least knowing that you have people who are willing to kind of be transparent, go through the process with you and, you know, provide a service where you don't even have to think about it. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, as far uh, un- as- un- sorry to interrupt, but unequivocally, mm-hmm. unequivocally, when we hire uh, folks in our team that end up talking to consumers every day, the number one thing that we look for is empathy. Because the last thing that we want to do is pressure somebody into selling something that they're not ready to sell yet. We only want you to sell right. it when you're when you're actually to the point where you can let go or you can move on or you can think about repurposing, uh, you know, that either uh, emotion from the relationship or asset from an inheritance into something uh, new and better or bigger or however you want to frame that. And so the yeah. folks on our team, uh, you know, are we, we don't hire pushy salespeople who are going to do that because everybody is worried about getting scammed or some other thing that's going to happen. And, you know, we would, our business is based on trust and we need to make sure that throughout our entire process, we're on side with 
with that end seller and there for her. And sometimes Rachel has to act like a therapist also, and that's totally fine. <laughs> it, it does happen. A, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you never really can tell when somebody is, you know, at that breaking point, you know, and I think sometimes you have to be very delicate with certain situations and certain people, but that is, that's awesome. Yeah. I wanted I, to know. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and there is a point, like Stephen said, where people are not ready and you can hear it a lot of the time in their voice or what they're saying or, you know, and I never push someone. I always am there for them. You know, some people take six months, some people take a year, some people take 10 years, but there, there's a point where, you know, the switch goes off and you're ready. And that's where we want to be and be there for you. Because mm -hmm. you don't want someone to attempt to do anything and then regret it or be upset that, you know, you want this to be a happy time and a moving forward type of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if somebody were to be ready to um, sell their ring at that point, do you, does, do all of these rings go to an auction? Is that what I, how I understood it? Yeah. Do you want me to just, uh, let me go ahead and, and describe how our process works. And then Rachel, feel free to chime yeah. in if I miss anything. Uh, but we typically will do is find uh, folks that are interested in selling their jewelry. They describe it to us. Uh, they give us their name, phone number, and email. Um, and then they can go through a fully automated process, but we're always there for them when they need that. We'll send them a prepaid FedEx shipping label uh, that will overnight the ring into our facility in New York. Uh, we'll, once it arrives, we will clean every piece of jewelry. We'll take professional photos for every piece of jewelry. Uh, for most of our items, we'll uh, unmount the diamond from the setting. Once, they have their, once we have their permission, we'll send that diamond to the GIA, which is the Gemological Institute of America. They are the authority on grading diamonds. So what they'll give us back is a grading report that describes all the gemological characteristics of that diamond, its cut, its color, clarity, the carat weight, in addition to things like whether there's any fluorescence or the depth of the 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 diamond's um, uh, girdle or the, all these other characteristics that if you're knowledgeable about diamonds, it's really important to understand uh, when you're buying that. We'll take a 3D video of the, the diamond ring. Um, and then uh, once it's ready, our automated pricing algorithm will come out with a recommendation for the person's reserve price. Uh, and then it would go to auction once the reserve price is set. The important thing to note is that the entire time that it's in our process, that seller is always in control of what she's willing to sell it for. And so uh, we, might recommend, we might recommend a reserve price of $5,000 based on similar diamonds that have sold. And we're looking at tens of thousands of transactions and external data you say that's fine and the closer the person's reserve price is to what we recommend recommend typically we'll see the more bids that that auction gets but she could say listen i i'm only willing to sell it for six thousand and set her reserve price at six she could say ten thousand she could say twenty thousand uh, at some point it's not going to sell if the reserve price is you know outside the scope of what a rational buyer would be willing to to pay, uh, mm -hmm. but but only when the auction price crosses above the reserve price is the item sold. 
And at the end of the transaction, if the item doesn't reach the reserve, she has the choice of whether to take the high bid or have the item shipped back. Okay, gotcha. And so what is like the time frame um, from when you start getting um, offers from when that person sends the ring in? Yeah, so the, the way the process, and it does vary on the uh, factors the point at which it's received to our office until the point at which there's money in the person's bank account uh, is usually anywhere between call it nine and 14 business days. Uh, and the auction is generally two to three business days. So if you just sort of subtract that out, an auction at about day six or seven uh, after we receive them and, and be wrapped, you know, up until call it like day 10 or 11, uh, depending on which lab it has to go to, whether that lab is backed up. I mean, 2020 has been uh, a little bit less predictable than some other years, uh, but yeah. it's usually within that range. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Well, it sounds like the process is pretty, pretty fast, actually, than what I was actually thinking it would be. Um, is it helpful to have any type of proof of purchase or certification or um, logs from when you went and had your ring, I guess, cleaned or serviced? Is, do any of those play a factor in the ultimate value that, that the consumer gets? Yes. Any paperwork is great. Um, a lot of people, you know, over the years don't have it or lost it. So that's why we provide the service of the GII. But an appraisal is an interesting piece of paperwork to interpret. <laughs> um, but yeah. a GIA report's amazing because that's going to be the most accurate information. There are other companies that are, some are okay, some are good, but it's close. Um, but really, the more information, the better, because the more transparent and the more we can set the expectations of what is probably going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Then I actually know what you have, right? If you called me and you tell me, oh, Rachel, I have a 1.25, it's an H in color, it's an SI1. That's what, we, there's no debate on that, right? Versus people who don't know anything, we have to really, mm -hmm. you know, I have to go over best, worst case scenario, really figure out what I can tell, what we think, you know, and explain how to be open about it because people set the reserves like Stephen explained and some people set them really high because that's where they feel comfortable. Um, I had mm -hmm. a client last week who set a reserve at 18,000 for an item we said that would probably go for, five or six. She ended up selling, hmm. which was great. Um, and I was able to get her pretty much where she wanted, but that's where she felt comfortable. The first conversation was, oh my God, this is a lot, right? So let's set it where you want. And then at the end of the day, she realized, okay, this is where it's actually realistic. This is what you guys told me. And she was like, I'm game. Let's go. Yeah. One of the things, yeah, one of the things that's, that's really important in our space, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it, it's no. the, the notion of what the value of the item actually is. And, uh, the way that this, this works. And I started at the beginning talking about the lack of transparency, but you'll go into a jeweler and you'll spend $20,000 on an item and you say, Hey, okay, now I've got, you know, one of the top three possessions that I own. I need to go get this insured. And so I go get an insurance appraisal, sometimes from the same jewelry you bought it for. And suddenly the thing that you just paid $20,000 for is now has an insurance appraisal on it sitting for 30,000, maybe higher, right? In some cases. <laughs> uh, and mm -hmm. so then I, I take this piece of paper, I put it into my vault 
and or my sock drawer wherever I decide to keep it or file it. Uh, and then, you know, it's now five years later and I think about, okay, I need to resell this. Well, the, the price of diamonds hasn't gone up materially, right? So uh, it never was worth 30,000. At best, it was worth 20,000 at retail. And when you go to resell it, because you're not selling it to an end consumer, uh, because no end consumer would buy a diamond from another end consumer that they don't know because they're right. not a gemologist. And so it was never worth 30. You're not going to get 20 for it now. If you bring it to the pawn shop, you're probably going to get 10 cents on the dollar. So they'd offer you, yeah. you know, $1,500, $2,000 uh, for, for that item. And so, you know, people sometimes come with, with these insurance appraisals saying, but wait, my item is worth $30,000. And one of the key things that we do as part of the process of dealing with our sellers is we have to educate them to say, listen, your item was never worth $30,000 and it's not worth $20,000 today either, but maybe we, we can get you, you know, four or $5,000 for that item, which is a lot more than what you can find locally. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you probably have to do a lot of um, like separating out the emotional value that people sort of add on top of um, what the actual value is. <laughs> Much yeah, like a house, no, right? No question. There's no question. <laughs> um, yeah, except, except a house generally, unless the market tanks, the house is going to appreciate over time. Sure. You know, the, sure. the, di the diamond, you pick up a diamond from a retail store and you drive it down the block to resell it. Uh, you're not getting anywhere near what you paid for that, you know, going in. And, you know, the, the truth is that we'll, we'll get you a lot more than everybody else. Uh, but it's still not what you paid for it when, when it's going in. And that's sometimes, you know, a really difficult thing for people to handle. One of the things that we also yeah. had to educate people on though, is that if, what are your options? Because there aren't really great ones. If you keep mm -hmm. that diamond, you keep it in your sock drawer. Uh, wh what are you going to do with it in two or three years? In three years, the value of diamonds hasn't gone up significantly. But if you cash that out now and put that into some other investment, let's say you did that five years ago, you would have more than $30,000 know, from that same asset you had before. So there's some level of uh, emotion. I'm tied to the item. There's some level of, oh my God, I, I'm going to lose money selling it. But the truth is you, you already lost the money and you lost the money when you bought it. And so now it's mm -hmm. a matter of how do I how do I get the most out of it? Uh, and almost, uh, unless there's a clear thing for you to go do with it, either put it into another piece of jewelry or you want to give it to your daughter or granddaughter or something akin to that, then your best bet is probably to, to take the most money that you can get for it now. And usually that's through worthy and then put it into some other uh, restart for your life. Yeah, I yeah absolutely. I was just going to say, I totally agree with that. That's one of the things I go over with people on almost every call is that, you know, and now it's a little different, right, with COVID. So you, you get more of, well, is it a good time, right? And unfortunately, it's always going to be very similar. And, you know, the smart thing to do is get it, right? Some people get to take a little bit of a vacation, get to take a trip, you know, maybe plan for something. But to put that money somewhere where it doubles your money and then it helps you with your life in the future. Um, Absolutely. I, I always say like, you know, take that money. How is my money working for me versus against me? And I think, 
you know, a lot of people have that emotional attachment where they're hanging on to this thing, uh, this object, right. That is meaningful for something that is over and they can't, they can't make the jump because it's too much of an emotional attachment. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's so crucial in moving on and closing that door because why hang on to something that, you know, makes you, brings you pain or brings you into a different state of mind when the only place that we can go is up or somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally a Marie Kondo of your life for sure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I always tell them to get rid of the bad juju. I'm like, it'll, it'll be better somewhere else. Get the bad juju out let the auction run. And the people who are like, yeah, let's do it. Their auctions do so great. It's just like, it's like more positive reinforcement for everything. It's great. It's so funny that you said the the bad juju. I literally have that line um, written down right here in front of me and like circled because it's totally, that's exactly what it is. You know, in order to move on, people have to be able to close the door. So this, it sounds like it's, a really great resource for people who are ready to make that transition. And as far as, um, now I know we talked a little bit about the diamonds and the quality there. What about the metals and the gold and things like that? Like I know like gold and silver have like the value goes up and people are starting to say, you know, you got to buy gold or you got to buy silver. What, how does that play into selling? Yeah. So all of the metals, right? So there's 14 karat, 22, 24. That has different values. Gold is up right now. That is for sure. I think it's the highest it's ever been. So if you have gold jewelry and you're not wearing it, you should sell it um, because you'll get more now. Um, Now, when you talk about a whole ring though, this is what's a little bit interesting. Um, The setting is a, a pretty much not a ton of gold, right? A few grams. There's some smaller diamonds sometimes. So the big chunk of your ring sale is your diamond. So a lot of people sometimes are emotionally attached to the ring itself, right? Maybe it's something that, you know, they want to leave to someone, right? Or, you know, pass down to their daughter. And, you know, there's always a way if you're emotionally attached to that part, you can reset something else in your setting and still sell your diamond too, which I don't think a lot of people think about, Um, which I do with plenty of clients. It's, you know, it's a personal choice whether you keep it, but the metal itself, like platinum and gold, they have different prices and silver, but it's pretty much, you know, across the board, what it is for each of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you, you can tell what gold is today, what gold is tomorrow. It's, yeah, one of the interesting right. things is one of the interesting things is that the setting is maybe five or ten percent of the total resale value of that particular ring, and that is almost universally true, unless it's a, a, a super elaborate setting, you know, with uh, a band that has multiple, you know, half carat stones or something like that. You you generally see the vast majority of, of value sitting in that center stone. Cause one of the, one of the tricks or trials of this industry is that, uh, you know, big diamond cells. So if you, if you look at some rings, right. That have, you know, four little tiny diamonds at, that replicate a center stone and the jeweler markets that as a 1.5 carat, that's dramatically different value compared to a diamond ring that actually has a 1.5 carat stone in it. And so yeah. the, 
it's part of the sort of education process of helping people understand what do they actually uh, what do they actually have, um, and uh, of of course you can you can get more money for that sort of minor piece of a typical ring uh, if you sell it now versus another time, but it's not it's not going to be a major difference. One of the other things as part of the education of how this industry works is that you know the margins in a setting are substantially higher than the margins in a center stone for a jeweler. So what you're paying for in the center stone is a commodity price plus a plus a markup. What you're paying for, mm-hmm. in, paying for in this setting is the is the materials, yes, but it's more about the workmanship. It's more about the labor that went into designing and then creating that setting for you versus a commodity in a stone. And so at resale, you see a significantly greater drop in value in the setting than you do, let's say, in the center stone. Yeah, I would imagine just does the setting um, and the ring itself, like the metal, does that get melted down or do people reuse the rings? It depends. It depends. Okay. Um, if, okay. it, if the item, is, if the item is branded, if it's a Tiffany, if it's a Cartier, then it definitely is not going to get melted because there's additional value to be had at resale with those branded pieces. Uh, Got it. There, there, okay. there, there are some items where they sell for more getting sold as a complete ring. And then in that case, uh, then it'll, then we sell it as a, as a ring. The person who buys it very well may take that setting, split it and melt it down. We don't sort of see that after the person uh, has bought it. And there are other circumstances where they'll get more value if we sell the setting separately from the stone. Uh, But our gemology team makes those decisions ultimately with the idea of getting the most money back for the seller for that item. But for for, for the seller, unless they tell us otherwise, we're selling the entire ring. It's just a matter of how do we slice and dice it to maximize value. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think that's one less headache, like I mentioned in the beginning, one less headache for um, the person going through probably one of the most impactful times of their life. Well, thank you for, thank you so much for um, jumping on the call and really taking us through the whole process can I guess let's say anybody listening if they're going through divorce right now um, and they still have their ring or they have some items that they are not sure about or they want to um, look into selling it where is their first where do you suggest the first place to go is is it the website do they contact you through social yeah I I I think the the probably the fastest way is one of two things either going to www.worthy.com and clicking on uh, sell my ring or sell my jewelry. And based on what they have, whether it's a ring or other pieces, just describing that jewelry and then registering, uh, at which point we'll assign them an advisor who can consult with them to help them understand what the value is. And that's one way. Uh, Alternatively, they can just call us at uh, 888-222-0208. And we can uh, answer whatever questions they have if they want a more uh, faster, direct response. But, um, you know, I think the key thing is that however you contact us, we're always uh, here for the folks that need to sell. And we're going to work really hard to get the most possible money for them. 
Awesome. Thank you. I'm also going to add that information to the show notes as well. So for anybody listening, um, you can just go onto the show notes and I will have the number and the link there. Um, uh, anything else that you guys wanted to add? Um, yeah. So, uh, I think the, the one other, uh, the one other piece, um, actually, uh, that is interesting, um, is that just throughout the process, cause there are a lot of, and we didn't get to talk about it, but a lot of people are concerned about their valuables as they flow through our system. And I just want to make sure all your listeners know that, uh, everything is fully insured through a uh, policy held by insurers at Lloyd's of London up to a hundred thousand dollars. And so, you know, our business is based on trust. It's based on value. And so the jewelry is always our citizens. I think uh, other than that, I think we've covered most of, the, uh, most of the major points. Rachel, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've kind of covered everything. I, I think to stress is that we are here to help you and get as much money as possible, but also have a great experience. I think, you know, it's hard enough to go through this process and to have someone there to help you is the best thing and to trust them. And, you know, I have people who sometimes are, you know, worried and scared and, you know, at the end of the day, it always works out. And then I have a nice new friend to help. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, uh, like I said, I wish I would have, uh, known about the service when I still had my ring because it definitely sounds like you add so much value just by people being able to trust you and the full transparency I love. And it sounds like, you know, you have access to these resources and people, like you said, Stephen, at the top of the food chain where normal consumers would not have access to that information and knowing that, um, is really invaluable to me. Well, thank awesome. you so much for your time. <laughs> it was Thanks. such a pleasure uh, to talk to both of you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Want to learn more? I'm going to add a link in the show notes to the website, herheartheals.com. And there you can access all of my helpful tips, the blogs on there, and schedule a session with me. Are you on Instagram? I'd love to connect. You can follow me and my handle is at herheartheals. Hope to connect with you soon. Want to learn more? I'm going to add a link in the show notes to the website, herheartheals.com. And there you can access all of my helpful tips, the blogs on there, and schedule a session with me. Are you on Instagram? I'd love to connect. You can follow me and my handle is at herheartheals. Hope to connect with you soon.